This is December 3rd, and this is the Bruins Beat on CLNS Media. And welcome back to the Bruins Beat on CLNS Media. My name is Evan Marinovsky, and it's December. We are through two months of the hockey season, which is crazy that this has gone by this fast. And the Bruins are very good. Bruins have been pretty good. They're only like the best team in the NHL, you know? Kind of good. Kind of good at that hockey thing. Getting a lot of points. And to discuss all that and to discuss everything going on with the team right now, which is a lot, which is a lot for a team in December, there's actually a lot of storylines. And to discuss all that, I had on my good friend Dale Arnold, who hosts pre- and post-game shows uh, for Neston during Bruins games and intermissions. Uh, also has his own show, Dale and Keith, weekdays on WEEI from 10 to 2, that I would strongly urge you to listen to. Maybe after listening to this podcast, you'll listen to that. No big deal. Um, and Dale and I discuss a lot, which, as I said, is, is kind of weird for this time of year. You know, the Bruins might have the best player in the NHL on their team at the moment. Two big contract extensions that mean a lot for the future. So there was a lot that we got to in this episode. Um, and I hope you guys enjoy. But first, I want to tell you about uh, my good friends over at BetOnline.ag. Football, basketball, hockey seasons are in complete full swing. Get into the game today with our exclusive sports betting partners, BetOnline.ag. I'm telling you, these guys, I actually really like them. I, I don't say this about every sponsor, but I do really like these people. Uh, sign up today to receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit to start betting college or professional. Uh, every spread, every total, every winner or loser, straight bet, parlay, or tease your way through the season. Do what you want. You can even bet on wild proposition bets, such as who will be the first head coach to get canned or who will win the N- NBA MVP. It's tons of fun stuff like that that you can argue with with your friends uh, and, and maybe make some money off of. Uh, get the fastest to market odds, updates, and payouts with our new sports book partners, betonline.ag. Head over to the website today or use your mobile device to join and use promo code CLNS50 to receive your 50% welcome bonus. BetOnline.ag, your online sportsbook experts. All right, so now with that out of the way, without further ado, here's my conversation with Dale Arnold. And we're here with Dale Arnold. Dale, how are you? I'm doing great, Evan. How are you? I'm doing well. I'm doing well. Season's kind of in full swing. Just hit December. Can you believe it's already December? Yeah, it does seem to have snuck up on you. You know, the, you know what's screwing me up is the late Thanksgiving. Because, you know, I'm, I'm used to that, that one-week buffer after Thanksgiving before I have to start thinking about Christmas. And all of a sudden, Thanksgiving comes a week late, and it's like, holy crap, we're in December already. Yeah, no, it's I, it, it's incredible to me that Christmas is this month. And as you said, Thanksgiving being so late, I had Facebook memories popping up, um, you know, mid-November, and I'm like, wait a second, Thanksgiving was this early before? I mean, it's it's just, it's crazy to me. But the Bruins are rolling right now, um, and there's a lot going on. Uh, Dale, we'll start with David Pasternak, because this just, this is insane. I, it really is. I mean, 25 goals, uh, 27 games. I tweeted this out yesterday. He's on pace for 75 goals. Probably won't hit that. Uh, but it begs the question, he might just be the best player in the NHL right now. And that's not an overstatement. It's not an overstatement. I mean, there's a certain guy in Edmonton who I'd probably, all things being equal, would probably still take. But uh, what he is, though, and what he has developed into, uh, it's a combination of his age, his charisma, his skill, the fact that he's still getting better. Uh, he has developed into a legitimate, bona fide superstar on a team that's got some other stars. But this guy has become one of the superstars in the entire National Hockey League. 
that goal he scored Sunday night uh, at home, you know, the, the big slap shot down the right wing, you know, that reminded us, we were talking about this on the telecast, this goes back to Guy Lafleur and Mike Bossy and Cam Neely, the kind of goals you don't see anymore in the NHL. Nobody scores on that shot anymore, and we got the chance to see it on Sunday night for number 25. Yeah, no, it's funny you mentioned that type of goal. It really is never scored like that anymore because of goalies' angles and positioning and their pads being bigger, and I think just better goaltending in general. You don't really see that shot, and he just put that on a tee. I mean, that was an absolute rocket. And Joe McDonald was pointing this out on Twitter after the game and, and stuff like that, that he uses the toe of his blade so much compared to the heel because he feels he gets more power off of it. And I think that we're sort of seeing – Pasternak become this goal scorer that I don't know if we ever expected him to be this much of a goal scorer. Did we? I don't really remember thinking like, oh, you know, last year there was, you know, Pasternak started out hot, maybe 50 goals. Now he's pretty much guaranteed to have 50 goals. I feel like we weren't expecting this. Yeah, if he stays healthy, uh, you know, he's going to be he's going to be north of 30 by Christmas, probably well north of 30 by Christmas, the way he's going. Uh, you know, the the last guy with this kind of superstar stamp on him at a young age was Joe Thornton. But Joe wasn't here long enough, unfortunately, thanks to Mike O'Connell and the trade to, to San Jose. But he was the last guy where you went, that guy's going to be a superstar in this league. And you feel that way about Pasternak. Now, Pasternak's a scorer. Joe was a distributor. But you, you see what this kid's going to be. Uh, he's going to be among you know the best players in the National Hockey League. Within that handful of three, four, five guys, and oh, by the way, his line mates in that same discussion. Yeah, no, he very much is, and that's sort of the thing where you know you have in Edmonton you have McDavid and Drysital, in uh, Boston you have Marshawn and uh, Pasternak, and they sort of go toe to toe. I mean, when it comes to points, it's McDavid, Drysital, and then Marshawn Pasternak, you know, right there neck and neck. Which again, it begs the question to me. The way Pasternak has been playing. Now, I know Pasternak is not the best player in the NHL overall. Okay, Connor, That is Connor McDavid. That's Nathan McKinnon. That's guys like that. It's not David Pasternak. But, but for right now, for the past you know month, I think I'd put Pasternak up there. I mean, the guy's been as clutch as possible. He's he. You know, I expected him to stop scoring at some point. I expected him to go through a slump the way the Bruins did uh, earlier in November. I expected him to kind of stop scoring, and he's only scoring more. I mean, you know, three against the Canadians the other night. You know, he's been, you know, he had that wild setup on Krejci's uh, overtime winner against the Rangers. He's got one to, you know, to bring the Canadian to bring the Bruins back against the Canadians on Sunday night. It's just, I think I would argue that I would argue that he's the best player in the NHL right now. Well, I might argue that he's the best scorer. Maybe uh, best scorer is the better play, way to put it. His his playmaking is certainly underrated and developing. And you go back to the Krejci game winner and the setup by Pasternak on that. But some of the passes he's made, the cross-crease passes to set up Marshawn for goals, I mean, his playmaking abilities are underrated, developing, and certainly improving. But I think I'm willing to say he's the best scorer in the league right now. I got into this argument on the air and on Twitter last week. I have no hesitation at all in saying Brad Marchand is the best left wing in hockey, and actually has been for about two or three years now. And immediately you get the, oh, what, did you forget about Alex Ovechkin? No, I didn't. I know what a great scorer he is. I also know that he has to be reintroduced to his own goalie halfway through the season, where Marshawn plays a 200-foot game, 
Marshawn plays penalty kill, power play, even strength against the team's the other team's best line. I'm willing to say Marshawn is a better left wing than Ovechkin, and I'm willing to say that Pasternak's the best scorer in the league right now. It's funny you mentioned Marshawn being a 200-foot player. I'd almost be willing to say this season that he's been a better penalty killer than he has been a power play guy. I mean, on, on the penalty kill, he gets the puck. He doesn't immediately clear it. He skates around with it. He's like, screw it. Come after me. Try me. And it's, I think it's so funny to see that. And him and Bergeron on that PK together are lethal um, at stopping the other team. So I, I think right now, and, and the other thing about Pasternak that I think, you know, get, gets a little overlooked is how good he is at, you know, picking the Bruins up when they're down. I mean, last night, nothing, or Sunday night, there was really nothing going for the Bruins on offense. They were just getting stopped by Price time after time. It was one nothing. Nothing seemed to be going for them. And then Pasternak scores that slap shot that was, you know, as you said, Mike Bossy-like, Cam Neely-like. You don't see it often. And then they come back and win 3-1. to one. And we see this time and time again, it feels like, where he just kind of single-handedly gives them a boost of energy, almost. Well, when you've had back-to-back 12-goal months, chances are some of them have mattered. <laughs> and he scored a lot of goals that have mattered here. He really has. Okay, so uh, aside from Poshnok, this news broke on a few days ago. I think it was Saturday, maybe Friday uh, of last week. No, it wasn't Friday. It was Wednesday. I'm, the days are all mixed up to me. Thanksgiving week is such a weird week uh, with days. Dale, you know that. Um, but Wednesday, the news broke late that Charlie Coyle and Chris Wagner – uh, got signed to contract extensions. Uh, Coyle for six and uh, six years, five point one two five million per. Chris Wagner, three years, one point three million per. Dale, I want to get your thoughts on the deal just to sort of kick things off with this. You know, you see the job that Don Sweeney has done since replacing Peter Shirelli as the general manager. First of all, he had to clear up the quagmire in the salary cap department that Shirelli left, and it took him a while to get that part done but he continues to get guys signed to contracts, which at the end of, of the negotiation, when they announce the deal, inevitably you say, wow, you got him signed for that? I mean, you can go back to Pasternak's deal and, you know, the deal that you see here that, that Sweeney's getting done. There's also something to be said, and I think it was Coyle who said this in the aftermath of his signing. He said there is something to a hometown discount to stay here and be a part of this and that guys see what's what's going on here and they want to stay and they want to be a part of it. Now, if inevitably Don Sweeney gets Tory Krug done and at the end of the negotiation at the announcement you go, wow, he got him signed for that? Well, then you might as well just engrave his name as not only the recipient but the guy whose name is on the GM of the year trophy, which he holds right now because he's done a remarkable job getting these deals done. And, and it, at numbers that don't strap this team, as we're taping this right now, uh, the Chicago Blackhawks are going to play tonight. They're going to play with 11 forwards and six defensemen because they don't have the salary cap room to call up a 12th forward. Now think about that for a minute. You're going to play shorthanded in your game tonight because you don't have enough salary cap room to replace a guy who's not available to you. That's incredible. You don't see happen in Boston with what Don Sweeney's doing here. No. I mean, something like that is incredible to me, that a team would mire themselves in a issue as big as that, where you literally, as you said, Dale, are playing shorthanded. Um, well, I, take a look at Toronto right now and the nightmare that oh, they that's, face. 
that's a whole nother thing. From a salary cap perspective, that organization, they better win the cup this year because they're in deep trouble after this. They really are. I mean, the fact that they have so much money tied up in Marner and Matthews and uh, and Tavares and Nylander is incredible. And the other thing, I was saying this to someone the other day, you know, Mitch Marner's a guy from Toronto. The Maple Leafs were his hometown team. And you look at the culture, the, the culture between the Bruins and the Maple Leafs. Marner, his hometown discount, in quotes, was holding the Leafs for every penny to get almost $11 million per. Compared to the Bruins, where guys are like, no, nah, I'm going to take $2 million less. I'm going to take $2 million less. I'm going to take you know, a few million less to, to stay here, win here, play here. Culture's good. Leadership's good. Uh, but I have a few, a few takeaways from these uh, signings. Number one, the Wagner signing, awesome. Gets it perfect. You know, don't pay too much for those fourth-line guys. Uh, Shirelli was terrible at re-signing those fourth-liners, always signing for a little too much. 1.3, awesome for a guy like Chris Wagner. Uh, the thing with Coyle, and I think Coyle's is the most interesting. It's the most, but I think it also has such long-term ramifications. Coyle is probably the future second-line center on the Bruins, at least right now. You don't know the future of Krejci. His future is up after next season, very up in the air. A guy like Coyle, some people were saying that looks like second line right wing money. No, that looks like second line center money. And the fact that that is going to be your second line center with that kind of money is setting yourself up great for down the road. I mean, Coyle is a great bridge to the future on the second line at, at center. Am I correct? Yeah, and I, I, I just love his versatility. The fact that, you know, he can play center, he can play right wing for you. You know, he can, he can jump up from third line to second line. Heck, in a pinch, he can fill in on the first line for you. You know, he's got the size. He's got the, the power. He's got all of the attributes that you want. Uh, sometimes I, I thought the Bruins were guilty in the past of trying to sign too many local guys. You know, and, and there were too many guys, Pines and Donato and, you know, Sweeney, and you can go on and on and on. And it was like, are you just trying to sign everybody who ever was born here or played college hockey here? Hmm. But in Coyle's case, in Wagner's case, I think the local ties meant a lot. When Coyle got traded here from Minnesota, he was so excited about the opportunity to put that sweater on. It meant something to him. Same for Wagner. You know, when he got a chance to come home, put that sweater on for the first time, it meant more. I think the, the, the opportunity to wear that sweater, play for that team, in Coyle's case, maybe be one of the leaders of this team moving forward, meant so much that the money was almost secondary to them. And I think that made a, a huge difference in getting them re-signed as well. Yeah, and I, and I think one with, you know, comparables to the Coil deal, you know, Kevin Hayes, I think, is a comparable out in Philadelphia. He, you know, he got $7.1 million, I believe. Uh, Coil getting way less. I mean, this is, you know, Coil could have asked for more. I think Coil out in the open market could have gotten six. This is cheap. This is a cheap deal. And I think it's a good deal for both sides because Coyle gets to do his hometown Bruins forever. Uh, the Bruins get some, you know, extra salary room. One thing that I think is another good takeaway from this Coyle deal is David Krejci, his contract is up after next season. And one thing, I don't know how much you're on Twitter during the game, Dale. I'm on it consistently. Um, I know you're doing a show, so maybe you're, you know, doing stuff with that, you know, that's a little bit more important than Twitter. Um, but there's a lot of complaints about Krejci here and there. You see complaints about Krejci, always too slow. He gets hurt all the time, which he doesn't. Um, you know, his point production was great last season. There was a poll this uh, – you know that Boston sports poll that comes around every year? 
Uh, I think Krejci was second on the Bruins in players who didn't meet expectations last season. And I think he tied a career high in points. I mean, it just, there's a, there's a hate for David Krejci that doesn't get talked about enough. And I think that the, the Bruins fan base has a well-deserved reputation for knowing the game and understanding the sport, but there are some occasional blockages in the system for even diehard Bruins fans that they just can't shake. One is, you know, David Krejci doesn't give you enough. And I think the problem is he's kind of a prisoner of his own, of his own contract. He's the highest paid player on the team. So you expect he's going to suddenly produce like Connor McDavid or, or, you know, John Tavares or something. The other guys who fall into that same category for me are Zdeno Chara and Tukaras. And they're polarizing figures, even among the, the diehard fan base. And, and I just think some people get blinded by their, their disdain for these guys. Oh, you're never going to win anything with Tukarask in goal. Oh, well, as long as David Krejci's your second line center, you're never going to be able to win. Oh, Zdeno Chara's washed up and has been for years. I think it's hogwash. And unfortunately, there's nothing you or I are going to be able to say that's going to change people's opinion. Well, here's the thing with Krejci that might, that might sway opinions because I think with the decade coming to an end, it's kind of fun to look back. And it's fun to sort of zoom out and see kind of the Bruins as a whole the past 10 years. And I think what gets overlooked so much is the Bruins have never had to worry. Oh, wait. I mean, Krejci's been injured a few times, but oh, wait, wait, who's, who's going to play on the second line at center for the Bruins? It's always been Bergeron Krejci. Now, earlier they had Savard, so it was much easier. He had three down the middle. But think of the stability the Bruins have had. Like, not many other teams have that down the middle. I mean, obviously you have the Penguins with, uh, you know, Malkin and Crosby, and there are other teams out there with two very good centers down the middle. But there are a lot of teams that don't have that. And the Bruins have, for a long stretch of time here, had two incredible centers down the middle that they've been able to base their offense around. And I think that doesn't get looked at enough. Like when Krejci's gone, you'll have Coyle and Coyle's great. And I, and, and I love Charlie Coyle. I love the versatility he brings, but you know, the point production has not been there yet. Now I know he's entering his, you know, prime of his career when he has this contract, but it's not guaranteed. You know, the, the, the points aren't guaranteed and there's a good chance he might be a 50 point a year guy max or, you know, 55 or maybe even, you know, 45 and it'll be all right. But I think then that's when people look back and go, damn, we had it good when we had Krejci on the second line. Well, I think your point about the second line center is a great one, but I also think, unfortunately, what we've had to deal with here the last few years is injury issues with your first line center, Patrice Bergeron. And when it does happen, Krejci slots seamlessly into that position, and you really don't see much of a drop-off, if at all, in the production of the top line when suddenly Krejci's got to play a number of games in a row to replace Patrice Bergeron, as great as Bergeron is. Hall of Fame caliber, in my opinion. Number retired by the Bruins caliber, in my opinion. And when he does pull out of the lineup, you don't panic because Krejci usually slots seamlessly into that spot. That is something that's happening right now. Uh, you know, Krejci's fit in perfectly with Poshnok Marchant. It happened last year. Um, but again, you can also make the argument that, you know, Marchant and Poshnok have really, you know, they just work well with anybody. I mean, Riley Nash was in between them a few years ago and, you know, the production wasn't you know, on par with what it was with Bergeron, but it was still okay. But Krejci's value is incredible um, on the Bruins. And I think it's one of those things that gets overlooked a lot. Obviously, we talk about the Tuka Rask hate um, for him, but we don't talk about enough 
the hate Krejci gets. And I think also it's kind of his play style. He's a little bit slower, a little bit more methodical. And I think to the, to, you know, the average eye, oh man, he's not working hard enough. Oh, you know, with the money he's getting paid, he isn't, you know, working hard enough. And it's like, no, that's not it at all. Krejci's actually a vital part of the offense. And again, he provides the stability and he provides, as you said, Dale, going to the first line and slotting in perfectly. So I look at that and I go, you know what, you know, looking at the past decade, the Bruins have had it pretty damn good down the middle when it comes to centers. There's no doubt about that. And, uh, you know, it's the strength of the hockey team, like a baseball team. You know, it's always built up the middle. Catcher, shortstop, second base, center field. Well, you've got to step in the middle uh, on a hockey team. And, and, you know, you start in goal, you go through defense, and then you build through the center position. And that's what you've got here, and the Bruins have always had good ones. Before I let you go, Dale, I want to ask you this because it's December, December 3rd, because this is recorded, this, this is recorded December 2nd, it'll come out December 3rd. Um, okay. are the Bruins Stanley Cup favorites? Is it safe to say they are at this point? I, I always hesitate this early in the season to so declare anybody a favorite. Uh, they are one of the two, three, four teams in the NHL who are, I think, viable Stanley Cup contenders. Uh, I, I know that, that the Capitals are right there in terms of record with the Bruins. I don't think they're as good as the Bruins. Uh, ultimately, you probably think St. Louis is going to be there because they, you know, they're the defending Stanley Cup champions. But if, if I had to put it on December 3rd, is when this thing aired, I'd say the Bruins are one of the three or four teams who should be favored to win the Cup. It just, to me, and again, I, I don't want to get too wrapped up in early success because it kind of is still early, especially to project Stanley Cup. Um, but they look like they're playing with something to prove. They look like they're on a revenge tour. And I, I was one of the one, I was one of the few people before the season was like, no, this is going to be the year they're out in the first round. They're going to struggle in the beginning. And I was wrong and wrong and wrong, especially with the struggling in the beginning part. Um, they look like a team with something to prove. They really, really do. And so I saw this on Twitter. Um, I forget who tweeted this, but they, they did a comparison. They were like, you know, the Bruins had their heart broken in 09-10 when they uh, blew the 3-0 lead to the Flyers. Right. Next year, they win the Cup in 11. You know, I consider the Game 7 loss last uh, in, in 2019 in the Stanley Cup to be even more disappointing, to be even more heartbreaking for the Bruins than that 2010 series. And they're like, hey, look how the Bruins are playing now. Wouldn't be surprised they won the Stanley Cup this year. So I think it's a very interesting thing to look at, how they've sort of bounced back from heartbreak. I totally did not expect to, for them to bounce back as, as well as they have, especially here in the early game. Oh, no. I freely admit that they've surprised me with how strong they've come out of the gate this year. I thought they'd they, they hit a little slump to start. Played a lot of hockey last year, as the Blues did, and the Blues kind of stumbled out of the gate this year as well. Uh, I, I will say this. They've had a troubling propensity to fall behind, which bothers me. I, the, the flip side of that coin is that they never quit. They're down 2 nothing, and they say, all right, screw it. Let's just go score a couple of goals here. Uh, the good news is they've had an ability to come back when being down. The bad news is I'd like them to play from in front a little more often lately. Yeah, I mean, that's definitely something that they haven't been doing a lot of. I mean, that Minnesota game uh, a week ago, they were down four to two, uh, or four to one, I believe, right? Yeah. yeah. And in the third, and you're like, oh, this is just a throwaway Saturday night game against the Wild, whatever. And I was thinking during the game, I was like, I haven't seen the Bruins 
have a game like this in a while where they just kind of, they look like they did under Claude random nights where they would come out and just lose three to one or five to two. That's kind of like, man, whatever, you know, just right, random regular season loss. And then the third period comes, the last two minutes hit, and they come back and tie the thing, and Krug wins in overtime. And it's like, man, this team just, like, isn't never out. And I feel like, you know, yes, it's the beginning of Cassidy's tenure still. I mean, it's only his third full year, I believe. Um, but, like, are we still in the honeymoon stage with him, or is he just an incredible coach? No, I think we're past the honeymoon stage, and we would be remiss if we didn't give him the credit that he's due for the way this team plays and the attitude that they have. Now, he always deflects that credit to the leadership core, and it's crucial here. You know, the Chara, Bergeron, Krejci, Tukarask, that that group, they are critical to what goes on here. But Cassidy deserves a lot of the credit. The players love playing for him. The fans love the style of play that he's brought here. You know, the old joke about Claude wanted to win every game 0-0. Well, Bruce Cassidy wants his team to take chances. He wants he wants them to go. Be responsible, but don't be afraid to be creative. Don't be afraid to, to take a chance. And uh, the result is it's a remarkably entertaining product. Uh, it's certainly a, a very fun product to play in if you're a player. And I think Cassidy's done a remarkable job piloting this thing. Yeah, and we've seen the, the you know, the, the comparisons between him and Claude, especially this past week. Bruins beat the Canadians once, 8-1. to one, Then they beat them 3-1 uh, to one on Sunday night. Claude is on the fritz. Claude just signed this huge deal, and, and he his seat is getting very, very warm very quickly. And, you know, I know that that team has, you know, it's not a very talent-filled roster. Um, you know, they've done all right with what they've had. He's done okay with it. You know, they're on a really big losing streak right now. I think it, they, they're they 4 and they're o five and 3 in their last eight. I'm not even sure the yeah. stat. They just haven't won anything. Um, and Claude, it feels like he's on the hot seat. And it's just crazy to think that those two losses to the Bruins, to Cassidy, could have been the ones that really put him out of his misery with the Canadians. I mean, it's, I, I don't, I don't see him getting fired yet, but easily, I feel like, could happen. In fairness, I'm a huge Claude Julian fan, personally and professionally. You know, he is the coach of the last Stanley Cup championship team here. I think he's a great coach and a terrific person, and I don't want anything bad to happen to him. I just think Bruce Cassidy was the, the perfect pick. And again, I go back to Don Sweeney. He's the guy who made the selection here. Give him credit. He picked the right guy at the right time, and he's getting the results. With this new NHL, Cassidy's the right guy. I mean, his system works better in this kind of the, the speed and skill environment that the NHL has kind of put itself in. So it's definitely been interesting, and again, it's it's helped the Bruins a lot. So, uh, But, Dale, thank you so much for joining. Uh, before you leave, is there anything that you would like to plug? <laughs> no, I'm good, thanks. I, I am plug-free today. I mean, if uh, if you want to watch the games on Ness and the Free and Post and intermissions along with Jack and Brick. I'd be appreciative if you did that, but I'm good. And Dale and Keith, 10 to 2, weekdays on WEI. Well, yeah, I don't want Rich to think I wasn't plugging him, too. <laughs> well, there you go. See, I helped you out there. Fellow WEI guy helping a fellow WEI guy. We, we look out for each other. Anyways, Dale, <laughs> thank you so much. Uh, and for CLNS Media, I'm Evan Marinoff. So you Bruins be listeners. You have a great rest of your week. Yeah.